Uh, we've been looking at John's gospel off and on, and we'll continue to do so tonight. In John's gospel, John the apostle writes to us about another John, John the Baptist, who couldn't contain what he had found out about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he went about telling people about him. You could see this if you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 1, just one verse tonight, John chapter 1, verse 15. John 1, verse 15. Don't get the Johns confused. Look what it says. John testified. That's John the Baptist. And uh, information about John the Baptist is being recorded for us by John the Apostle. Two different Johns. So John the Apostle, in verse 15, is telling us John the Baptizer testified about him. He testified about the Lord Jesus, and he cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now, if you slow down when you read the Bible and you just read that, you'll say, what a puzzling statement that is. He who comes after me, existed before me. Now, how could that be? It's a mystery. Uh, We know from reading in other places in the Bible that this John the Baptist was born, does anyone know how many months before the Lord Jesus was born, this John the Baptist was born? Anybody, Anybody know? It was six months. So this John the Baptist who says here, Jesus came before him, I don't get it, because he actually biologically came before the Lord Jesus by six months. So he can't be referring here to birth order. He must be referring to something else. I think it's this. He's referring to the pre-existence of the Lord Jesus when he was born of Miriam, Miriam, or as she is more commonly referred to, Mary, uh, he didn't come into existence. He came into this space-time dimension for sure, but he always was. He is the preexistent one of whom John, the writer, tells us earlier on, we read this a long time ago, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word. That is, in the beginning of all things, before the created world was, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He, so the Word is referred to as a He, what's His name? Yeah, that's the Lord Jesus. He was in the beginning with God. So John the Baptist is saying, I must tell people about him because he's categorically different. Nobody else could lay claim to pre-existence. This is a mark of divinity. Before the world was, the Word was. Well, wait a second. That makes the Word God. In fact, the Word is the agent of creation. And John the Baptist was so filled up with this, he says, and that's why he has a higher rank than I do. Don't look to me. He is superior to me because before I even was, he had pre-existence. And this is one of the things that motivated John. He couldn't contain what he knew about the Lord Jesus. If God said to him, John the Baptist, keep quiet. I don't think John would have been able to comply. He was overwhelmed with this recognition and relationship with the pre-existent one, this special, categorically different, this unique Jesus. And so he went about, as the text says, testifying him and crying out. And so uh, as I was reading this, it occurred to me that almighty God uh, has chosen a means by which he will be made known uh, on the earth. And that is his people, God's people, are supposed to tell other people about his son Jesus. And so John the Baptist is a model 
of what the rest of us are supposed to be like. This is God's number one method for bringing the world's attention to his special, uniquely qualified son. The way Jesus is to be promoted and publicized is when God's people tell other people about him. Now, I hope that overwhelms you because I personally don't think it's the best way to do it. If I was God, I would have angels do the publication of the Lord Jesus. I I just, I mean, this is the most important message on earth to hear of him and to recognize him and to come to grips with who he is and to accept him. It's so much hinges on what we hear and know about Jesus. I don't think I would have entrusted that to one such as you and I. I mean, would you? If I was God, I would I would summon the angels. You know, they're supernatural beings. We're just natural. We're not supernatural. I would have angels uh, proclaim truths about Christ. Why choose us? But then I thought about it. Um, uh, If an angel uh, approaches a human and is talking to that human about eternal, heavenly, uh, life-changing things, uh, what human can relate to an angel? Uh, uh, the human is going to say, you, you, you don't know my situation. You, you, you're, you're above and beyond it all. I cannot relate to you. You don't know what my struggles are. You, we don't even share the same, the same nature. So though angels might be, I don't know, they might be better communicators, uh, they would be less believable. The rest of humanity couldn't relate to angels, and so God says, no, 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 I'm going to have you, thoroughly human, thoroughly flawed people, with the same nature as those you're seeking to win to me, I'm going to have you be the vehicles by which I am made known in the world. It's an amazing trust that God has bestowed upon us. Then I thought of another reason why God has chosen to win people to himself through people who already have been won to him. And that, it's because of this reason, I think. He loves us uh, and has given us the most grand, lofty purpose imaginable. He said, uh, I trust you to represent me on the earth. Uh, uh, let that sink in if you would. Uh, Are you wondering as a Christian, what is my role? How do I fit? I feel marginalized. I don't fit in. Wait just a second. Stop that, please. God redeemed and saved you and then said, now go and represent me. Are you kidding me? God is not ashamed of entrusting to us the very lofty role of telling people about him. And it's such a joy when you do. Have you had this experience of speaking about Jesus to somebody because you know he's worth talking about? And it might have been awkward. And you might have, maybe you weren't able to field all of the person's questions and objections. But when the conversation is over and you walk away from it, you're floating. Uh, You're you're exhilarated. You're filled with joy. I try, I've had that experience from time to time. And I try to figure out why is that? When you and I are making Jesus a talking point, an issue in conversation. Olympics, great. Election, I got it. Important. Astros, sure. Talk about them all you want. But when we make Jesus a talking point, we being Jesus people, we are more closely in alignment with God's intended purpose for us than when we are doing anything else. We are his ambassadors and representatives. So, so when we are doing that, I think part of the joy is uh, uh, during this time, I am exactly in alignment with what God has for me, with the mission he has for me to perform. And as a result, joy develops. You know what else happens? When you, have you found this? When you talk to people about the Lord Jesus, even though if you think you didn't do so hot, something happens to you. Your convictions 
to believe in him are deepened. It's a very interesting kind of thing. When you speak, you know, when you have a heart for God, when you find your voice for God, even maybe if it's not an unclear voice, maybe it's a little awkward even, maybe it's a little timid and sheepish, it doesn't matter. When you do that, when you make Jesus the one you love, uh, because he loved you first, when you make him an issue in conversation, uh, the effect on you is that it, is that it deepens your experience with the Lord Jesus. So when you do, it's called evangelism, isn't it? When we proclaim Christ, of course, uh, one of the purposes is that hearing of him may affect the heart of the listener so that the heart or the listener would realize, oh my, I'm a sinner who's been separated from almighty God and I need a savior. And so the hope is when we tell them Jesus is that savior, that person would allow the Lord to save him or her. I know that. But there's also something in the process of making Jesus an issue for the one who's speaking about him. And one is pretty unspeakable joy. And the second is deepening convictions. Uh, uh, folks, this day is a little challenging. I don't know if you knew that. It's, uh, it's crazy. And you wonder, what are we to do? What can we do? When you're talking to people about the Lord Jesus, who can move a believer from one government characterized by darkness to another domain characterized by redemption? When you're talking to people about that Jesus who alone can affect that rescue and transfer, that uh, irreversible and eternal change in someone's life, when you're talking about this Jesus, who's the God of all hope, and who alone can give hope to a hopeless person, you find, wow, I'm not spinning my wheels. There is something I can do. I can make for change in this otherwise confusing and unstable world. And you find out that is my primary mission. That's why God still has me here to tell people about him in the hope that they will by faith embrace him and be delivered from the presence of power and the penalty of sin, be ushered into an entirely different lifestyle, the likes of which most of us here have, have experienced. My mother passed away, as I mentioned to you, um, in June. And about a week before she passed away, she began losing her voice. And in a whisper, she said to me, about a week before she passed away, she said, uh, I believe the Lord will soon call me home. And I said, well, Mama, that may be the case. What makes you think that, however? She said, because can you hear? My voice is growing weaker. And uh, I feel soon I'll no longer be able to speak. And that's why I know he's going to call me home because that's my primary purpose in being here to tell people about Jesus. My mother got it right. That's our purpose as well. And when we are doing that which God has purposed for us to do, we are so rightly aligned with his intended purpose, it brings great, great Joy. This is our mission. It's not just for full-time missionaries. Thank God for the support this church extends to full-time missionaries. I got it. It's not just for pastors. It's for all of us. Did you know that? When you got saved, when you got redeemed, brother, thank you for letting us watch you be baptized in Jesus' name. It's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing. Thank you for doing that. You, 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 you blessed the one who saved you, and you blessed the rest of us. You know why? Because when you did that, you said, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I, I belong to him. He's my, he's my savior. So, bro, bro, let me tell you, this applies to everyone, but let me, let, let me just preach to you. <clears throat> I don't think you're yet a full-time missionary or pastor. We don't know what God has for you. But right now, the minute you stepped out of those waters and even before, he has a mission for you. You're his representative on earth. He wants you to speak out on his behalf. Hey, uh, we can't see Jesus visibly yet. And uh, he, he, he wants you to reveal him. <laughs> 
He wants you to find ways to make him a topic of conversation. Now, I'm going to tell you, isn't that an unbelievable promotion? <laughs> you know, it's like God is saying to you, God and son. And he's absolutely thrilled uh, that you're attached to him. And now he wants you to boast about him. That's that's, that's, so you see what I mean? That's for everyone. For a seasoned, mature Christian and for a new believer, that's for all. This is, this is, this is our, our role. When we fulfill our role, we have great, great. Look, I have an agenda when I get up in the morning, and so do you. And it might be, oh, I got to replace this light bulb, or I got to mow the lawn, or I got to get my, the oil in the car has to be changed, or I got to, you know, pay the bill, or I don't know, whatever. These are all okay things. But folks, if we're not waking up saying, God, what's your agenda? I think we're going to miss it. We're going to get so swallowed up by the stuff of life, uh, it's going to extinguish the fire. All that stuff is important. I got that. But don't be distracted by the ordinary stuff of the day. We've been given the privilege of engaging in the extraordinary stuff of the day, and that is looking for opportunities to make Jesus uh, the center of our, uh, of our conversation. Folks, the Lord Jesus is worth talking about. You just admitted that. Of course, we all do. But, but exactly what do we say? <laughs> I mean, what, what do you say to people about Jesus? Well, this John who wrote this gospel, John the Apostle, he wrote other stuff in the Bible. Did you know that? And he wrote in another place, it's called 1 John, it's a letter. He wrote this in 1 John chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. He said, and the life, the life of Christ, was manifested. I'm going to tell you something. If it wasn't manifested, we'd be left with guesswork and speculation about what God is like. But God revealed himself through the Son. The life was manifested. John said, we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Jesus is eternal, and he came to bring eternal life. What we have seen and heard, this is what John said, this is what we talk about. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, the you also. That's the Great Commission. John said, I know something about this Jesus in whom resides eternal life. <laughs> but it's not just for me, it's for you. Also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And by the way, he says, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So, so you know what John spoke about? He spoke about a life to people. He spoke about the life of Christ. And John said uh, he spoke about what he had seen and what he had heard. He spoke about that special, unique life of Christ and what he knew about it. And folks, that's exactly what we are to talk about, in case you're wondering. Tell people what you have come to know about this extraordinary life, the life of Christ. That's what you tell them about, what you have come to see and hear and experience and know personally about the Lord Jesus. That's what you tell people about. You talk to people about what you personally know about the Lord Jesus. You tell people that because God took the first step in coming to us, we can now come to him. You tell people that they can come to Jesus because Jesus has first taken the initiative in coming to them. That's what you tell them about. You tell people that they must have him in order to have the life which is in him, eternal life. You tell people they cannot have Abundant life here and eternal life to come if they do not have the eternal Savior in their life. So back to John chapter 1, verse 15. It says, John testified about him. And then in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also. Folks, these early believers could not. These early believers would not keep Jesus to themselves. If God told us, I have a commandment for y'all, I've rescued you and redeemed you, I've embraced you in a very personal way, you've experienced intimate communion with me, now keep quiet about it. I command you, keep your mouth shut. Don't tell anybody. 
you would burst. So would I. We would have to say to the Father, Oh God, I cannot obey that commandment. Don't you see? They were so excited, as we should be. They couldn't contain them. Look, the person who says, yes, I'm a Christian. But this is uh, very personal, private to me. Therefore, I don't really, don't speak of my personal experience with Christ to other people. I have my doubts about whether that kind of person really knows the Lord Jesus. Are you kidding me? Folks, the essence of the Christian life is to proclaim the Christ. (laughs) We don't keep a treasure private. You spread the wealth. In fact, I think it's one of the marks of regeneration. Even a new believer. Sometimes you hear new believers. Oh, I want my mom to know. I want my dad to know. I want my sister. I want my coworker. I want my next door neighbor. New believer. This is one of the marks of regeneration. So I doubt I doubt the authentic authentic, uh, Christian experience of someone who says, it's very private, very personal. I don't talk about Jesus. Why? Why? Isn't Jesus worth talking about? John 1.15, and John testified about him and cried out. So I checked out that phrase, and cried out, because... It, it can't literally mean he cried out. That's so undignified. But then I found out when I looked to the Greek, oh, yeah, that's what it means. He loudly and in a very undignified way and without any hesitation spoke of Jesus with great unbridled enthusiasm. John was not shy about proclaiming Christ. So I ask you this, and I ask myself the same question. Why are we? so shy about proclaiming Christ. Could I offer uh, some possibilities that apply to me as much as they do to you? I think one of the reasons why we're hesitant about sharing Christ is that we don't feel equipped to do so. But I have to tell you, as I alluded to earlier, nobody knows more about what Christ has done for you than you. Do you know in the whole world... (laughs) You have more expertise about what Christ has done for you than anybody else. Nobody can share your personal experience with Christ as much as you can. Please don't count yourself out. You don't have to know all the theology of the Bible and all that kind of stuff. If you know Christ, you're an expert on what he means to you. What he's done for you. Tell people about that. Don't count yourself out too soon. Furthermore, do you know God made the gospel? Have you heard of this? The gospel message. It means good news message. You know God made it as you think about it. Very simple. I can simplify it for you in three words. And maybe you can remember this. It'll help you in conversation. They all start with S. Here's the first, sin. And then the second is separation. And the third is savior. Use that as an outline. God created us to know him. He wanted us to know him, but the first of us sinned. And that just infected all of us, for crying out loud. And our sin has the effect of separating us from God. Why is that? Because he's never sinned. He's holy. And uh, sin and holiness don't mix any more than oil and water. So because of sin, I got a problem. I'm at odds with God, and I don't know how to bridge the gap. Now the third S, Savior. Uh, the Lord provided the solution for me. He became man in flesh, the Lord Jesus, to save me from the penalty of my own sin. See how simple the gospel message is. Sin, separation, and Savior. And by the way, did you know the Lord's disciples, this uh, special inner circle of those who changed the world, do you know that uh, they were not very well-educated people? Did you know that? They were extremely ordinary. So says Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Now, as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, these are two of the Lord's primary disciples. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. Yeah, they were Galilean. They were country folk. Galilee was up there. It wasn't Jerusalem, big cosmopolitan city. And they were fishermen. How did people know that? They smelled like it. 
I mean, they didn't come from the ivory tower. They were CEO of nothing. When people observed, Peter and John understood they were uneducated and untrained men. They were amazed and began to recognize them as, oh, this is the key, having been with Jesus. That's what qualifies you to go and tell somebody. It's your with him, it's my with him relationship. We spent time. Did you know Jesus died on the cross? Oh, yeah. So we could be a community of believers and gather together. Remember, I got that. But don't lose sight of the fact he didn't just save you for a corporate experience. He saved you for a personal experience. Jesus died on the cross so that you and I can have a with him uh, relationship. And the more you spend time with him, the more you find out about him, and the better equipped you are in telling people about him. Also, I find that if you're willing to talk to someone about the Lord Jesus... And they bring up something, yeah, you're not equipped to respond to. It bothers you a little bit, but you'll be much better equipped if it happens again. That's the beauty of getting in the um, activity of talking about Jesus. Someone brings up something. Oh, my goodness, you don't know how to deal with it. Well, then you ask another Christian, hey, if someone asked you or said to you such and such, how would you respond? Or you read a book or you read the Bible and you find out you're better equipped. Let me illustrate this. My wife and I, a couple weeks ago, got on a plane, went to Oregon. We got there every two years. Her family's out there, family reunion. It was a real crowded aircraft, and so she was sitting in the row behind me. I'm sitting between two guys, and, and um, I'm reading a book. And uh, the guy uh, sitting next to me says, good book? That's what he said. He starts the conversation. I said, absolutely. It was a John Grisham book. You ever hear him? John Grisham. The guy says to me, uh, I grew up with John Grisham. You did what? Yeah, 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 Mississippi, grew up. And we started getting in a conversation about John Grisham and just normal conversation. So do you live in Mississippi now? No, no, I don't live in Mississippi now. Well, what do you do? And he was a U.S. Marshal. uh, And now he's doing some other kind of a thing. We're talking and and, uh, just sharing lives together. He asked me what I do and stuff like that. And then at a certain point um, in the conversation, I said to him, well, I'll tell you what I said to him. Uh, Guys, can you put up on the board what what I said to him? I I, I want you to see what I said to him. (laughs) I said to him, let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sins through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place. See, I memorized it. I put it up there because I want you to also. It counted. It's 40 words. You can do this. 40 words. See, I needed a way to turn the conversation uh, away from stuff and to the Savior. Why? Because as you agreed, Jesus is worth talking about. Now, with all due respect to John Grisham, he's not worth that much talking about. Know what I mean? He's just a writer of books. Good writer. Fine. But the Lord Jesus can save people. So I made this statement, and a conversation ensued. Then he made this statement to me. He said, you know, I really appreciate your enthusiasm and sincerity uh, with regard to your beliefs, but what about others who believe in different so-called saviors and redeemers? Like Muslim people, they believe in Allah and his chief prophet, Muhammad. What about sincere Buddhists and all the rest? And he even threw in there, what about sincere Jews? I don't think he knew I was one. (laughs) He might have changed his seat. But anyway, um, so he's bringing up this deal. You know, behind this question is this. What makes Jesus special? What makes him unique? How would you have responded? What'd you say? Oh, that is exactly right. The resurrection. But, but, but listen, I remember that same question being put to me several years prior. I was in a conversation with somebody else about the Lord Jesus, and the person brought up the same thing, but I didn't know how to respond. I knew in my heart Jesus is different and all the rest, but, boy, that set me thinking. Uh, uh, how could Jesus be the only way? What makes him so unique and special? And so because I was so uncomfortable, I felt so inadequate. Don't you see a sense of inadequacy motivates you to get adequate? So I asked people, one mature Christians, I said, hey, brother, how would you respond to something like this? Or, hey, pastor, what do I tell someone? Or maybe I read a book or, or something like that. So I did that, and I knew just how to respond, just like you said. He's alive. 
So I spoke to this man about the resurrection. And I spoke to him about how Buddha uh, passed away and he's in the grave and Muhammad and in the grave, but the Lord Jesus. And I gave three evidences for the resurrection. Uh, and one was the empty tomb. And we spoke about that. And then the second was post-resurrection appearances. And, and then the third was change in the lives of his followers. You I mean, they fled when the Lord was taken. But when they saw him alive, they were willing to be crucified themselves. We talked for, it was a four-hour flight. We spoke the entire way. We exchanged contact information, names, numbers, and, and, and the whole deal. So this thing, I'm not adequate. Maybe not. But you get more adequate when you get in the process of talking to people about Jesus. You find out what common objections are, and then you find out no one's coming up with new stuff. And after a while, there's six or seven common objections you'll hear. You'll know how to respond to them, and you'll feel much, much more confident. Anyway, one reason we're reluctant to share our faith, we don't feel adequate. Don't do that. That's not true. Number two, we fear rejection, don't we? I do. You do. Rejection doesn't feel good. I would rather be accepted. I would rather have people's favor. That makes you feel good. So rejection, fear of it, is one of the reasons, I think, why we're hesitant to tell people about the Lord Jesus. I wish I could tell you that's not a possibility, but it is. Rejection, when you live for and uh, proclaim Christ, is a very real possibility, and even worse than rejection. In today's day and age especially. See, this message about Christ, it, uh, it can save people. And it can also harden people. Isn't that perplexing? Listen, imagine you have two things. You have clay, a lump of clay, and then you have a chocolate. <laughs> you put them both on a table and expose them to the sun. They're both exposed to the same thing. But the sun has an entirely different effect on both, doesn't it? The sun hardens the clay, but it'll melt the chocolate. That's what the gospel does. And you don't ever know which reaction you're going to meet up with. The same gospel message will harden some people. They will be offended, angry, and they will reject you or maybe worse. But that same gospel message can melt the hearts of others who come to be by God's spirit convicted of sin and judgment and righteousness, and then they say, I want this Jesus to be my Savior as well. Folks, live for Christ, share Christ freely, often, and you will taste rejection or even worse, to which I say, so what? So what? This is what we're called to do. We're called to represent Christ, and part of that means to share in a small way in that which he shared in. He was persecuted. He was rejected. He was spat upon. He was stripped naked. He was humiliated and demeaned. This is our Savior. Folks, the servant is not greater than the master. This is the way of the cross. You know what helps me? The world is hearing from many voices today. With all due respect, they don't have much to say. But they're saying it often and loudly. I'm going to lift up my voice because I have something to say. I can talk to people about the Lord Jesus who can usher them into his kingdom in an instant. You can too. So even though I fear rejection, I'm going to, I'm going to look it in the face and I'm going to press on anyway. Why? Because I have a voice about a Savior who came to save. I have a voice about uh, the God of all hope and comfort and compassion and forgiveness and mercy and inclusion, the likes of which nobody else can speak of. Folks, don't let the fear of rejection cause you to be hesitant about sharing Christ. And something else, uh, which I think we ought to realize, though it does say in the Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. Though it does say that, don't assume that that'll happen all the time and that nobody will grant you a hearing. 
In fact, I am finding, as I'm getting a little more actively engaged in evangelism, I'm finding that the opposite is true, and that most people will give you a hearing. For instance, I want to share with you a few recent witnessing encounters I had, because I'm not boasting in any way. I'm just rich, because God gave me the opportunity. And I had asked you, would you pray for me that God would give me the opportunity to talk to people about, about him? So... My wife and I went out to check the mail. The mailbox in our uh, subdivision is um, across the street. We, we, we went out, and, and hey, brother, how, how are you, brother? Oh, we live in the same neighborhood. Anyway, uh, so we went out to the mailbox. You, you know where it is. And, uh, and there's a guy, a young guy coming our way. He's got a clipboard, and he, he's real friendly and stuff, and I'm thinking he's going to sell us something. But he was from out of state, and he was sent to the area to do a political survey. And I must tell you, I had no interest in participating whatsoever. I've just, I mean, who cares? I just want to check the mail, go inside, and, you know, but there he is. And I had been praying, oh, God, give me eyes to see the opportunities to talk to people about you. So we were very, very polite, and we spoke to him, and he's, you know, we participated in this little survey, a few questions, and, and in the course of things, I'm asking him questions, how long you've been here, where you're from, why you're doing this, and all the rest. And after uh, bestowing upon him kindness and gentleness and a listening ear, I felt he owed me the same. So I said to him, hey, let me tell you. Here, I'll show you what I told him. It's right here on the screen. (laughs) I told him, hey, let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever. I'm telling you, I had his ear right there. Let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened. It's when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sins through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place. Am I repeating this a little too often? No, I'm not. That's right. I, I want us to get it. And I want, there's no magic in that statement. But if you're like me, I need a way to get the conversation going. So I, I came up with this, uh, try to boil it down to just, a, I can say this in just a few seconds. I've not had one person yet say, uh, stick it in your ear. I mean, they're all ears. Let me tell you about the greatest thing there. And a conversation ensued with this young guy right there uh, by, the, by the mailbox. Uh, mailbox, Totally open conversation. Well, one night we got hungry, and uh, it was time to order pizza. Um, and I shared you about another pizza delivery. Man, I, I'm giving you the impression that all we do is eat pizza. <laughs> and uh, though that's true, I don't want you to think that. So anyway... We, we call and the pizza's coming in, you know, and the doorbell rings, and I go out there, and it's a young guy, and he's got the pizza. And, uh, so you just make conversation. So I said to him, man, it is hot. Not the pizza, though. And uh, he said, yeah. I said, man, how, do you, how are you managing, you know, running from pillar to post in weather like this? And I think he appreciated that I was sensitive to the fact that he's, it's hard work. And we spoke about it, and stuff like that, and then I said to him, man, I know you're busy, you got stuff to do, but, and you know what I told him, I, hey, well, I put it on, put it on the screen here, <laughs> and I told him, I said to him, hey, 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 before you go, let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me, it's when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sin through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place, and as busy as he was, a very open conversation ensued about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is worth talking about, you know. So I told you my wife and I were out in Oregon. We were with her brother and his wife. We went to this restaurant, kind of neat thing. It's a lumber area, and this thing was all made of lumber and stuff like this. And we go in, it was real crowded. And we sit at a table, and this young gal comes over, you know, what would you like to drink, you know, stuff like this. And water, you want lemon, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then she comes back with the drinks, and so I, I, I just uh, said to her, so uh, how long have you been working here? Oh, 12 years, said she. I said, well, you are you native Oregonian? You know, they, lo- they like that. It's like they're as proud of their place as Texans are uh, of ours. She said, oh, yeah, born in, what did you say? Oh, no, they're not, Billy says. <laughs> Which reminds me of a joke. <laughs> Why? Why is it that psychologists, psychiatrists don't really do good in Texas? They don't really make a living? Not enough inferiority complexes. Yeah, I heard that one. So anyway, 
So I'm talking to this young gal, just small talk. It's not offensive, you know. So you, oh, you were born how long? You were working at the rest? And she tells me and stuff like that. And so do you have family here? Yeah. She said, I come from a family of 11 kids, 11 brothers and sisters. Oh, my goodness. No, no kidding. And then she volunteered some information about her dad. He passed away four years prior. She said, I still miss him. I said, oh, not everyone could say that. He must have been a great dad. And so we're just talking. One thing led to another. I wasn't offensive or awkward. One thing led to another, and I said, well, I don't, yeah, I do remember what I said to her. It's right here on your screen. I said, hey, I know you're busy, but let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It's when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sins through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place. And then I said to her, have you ever heard anything like that? She said, yes. Uh, uh, my mom and dad brought us to church when we were little kids. They split up and things got real bitter and awkward and all the rest. And I hadn't been to church in years and, and years and stuff like that. And and uh, I spoke to her. I said, you're, you're a hard worker. You know, you're a good mama. She's a single parent. She's raising the kids, working real hard and stuff like that. I said, you know, you're tending to all the things you need to. But don't forget the vertical dimension. This is the most important, being right with God. Anyway, we spoke 20 minutes in a busy restaurant. It was not me preaching to her. It was her wide open, wanting the hope that Jesus Christ could offer the hope of forgiveness and of eternal life. What's my point in all this? Well, my point is to brag to you. No, no, no. My point is to tell you, don't anticipate a rejection message. That's the evil one, the father of lies, telling you, keep quiet about this. People are going to get on you. I'm, not, I'm finding that not to be true. I'm finding, test the waters, you'll see, tremendous openness out there, particularly in this day. Lift up your voice about the Lord Jesus. Your voice is filled with a message nobody else can give. No politician, no, nobody can give hope of eternal life. We're entrusted with that particular message. Though you may be rejected from time to time, me too, it doesn't matter. Jesus is worth talking about. I gave you two reasons why I think we're reluctant to do so. We don't think we're equipped, number one. We fear rejection, number two. And here's the third and final thing, I think. You know, sometimes we're just not walking rightly with Christ. He's our Savior, and we know it, but we're not doing the stuff we know we should be doing, or we're doing the stuff we know we shouldn't be doing. Now, I don't recommend doing that. I think the solution to that uh, uh, instability and inconsistency is get it right with God. It's called repentance. Repent of that which you ought to turn from. You see what I mean? Come to the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in time of need and spare yourself this divided mentality. You'll drive yourself crazy. You know better, but you're still not doing it. Well, let's not make this so difficult. Just get it right with God. Just confess your sin, repent, accept his forgiveness, and leave that conversation with your head up and shoulders back. Okay. But that being the case... Do not wait until you achieve perfect sinlessness before you feel authorized to tell people about Jesus. You'll be missing the whole thing. The gospel message is not about blamelessness. It's about God's grace and mercy. And if you don't think you're doing exactly what you need to be doing with Christ, you're really a perfectly designed person to tell other people about his grace and mercy because you need it. You can look someone in the eye and they will respect your authenticity and you will say, I am a Christian. I have accepted Christ at such and such time. But I need to be honest with you. My walk with him has been laden with ups and downs. He's always there for me and has never left me, but I have drifted from time to time from him. But I need to let you know, he'll never let me go because he's a God of all grace and mercy. Don't you need a God like that? So don't you see, the very thing you think disqualifies you may be the very thing that does qualify you. You're not touting your virtue. The message is not about you. You're just a recipient about the one who's worth talking about. You're not worth talking about any more than I am, but Jesus is. Talk to them about Jesus. You can honestly speak of your imperfections and have God has accepted you and loves you anyway. So 
I think I told you this, but I feel like I want to do it again. I pastored a church in Chicago, you know, like a million years ago. And uh, it was an unusual church. It was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And we worshiped in uh, kind of a Hebraic way. And so a lot of our people were having a hard time communicating to others. What kind of church are we? So I came up with this idea. Uh, I, I, I wanted them to tell people, well, we're in anyway church. Anyway church, what does that mean? You say, we're just made up of imperfect people whom God has forgiven, adopted, and loves anyway. We're in anyway church. So I thought I'd be slick. There was a guy who was very artistic in the congregation. I said to him, hey, can you make a sign? I'd like to put it right up here on the pulpit. I just want one word on it, anyway. We're an anyway church. We're imperfect. We're flawed. But God loves us and will have us just as we are anyway. He says, sure, I'll do that. Uh, so the next Sunday he comes in. He had put the sign up here on the pulpit from the back of the room. I'm looking at it. Oh, my goodness. He got real creative flourishes and this and that. So from the back of the room, it looked like Amway. <laughs> so that didn't work too good. But I love the word anyway. Lord Jesus, I'm imperfect, and from time to time, I sin. Yeah, but I love you anyway. You better, but, but Lord Jesus, I'm flawed, and I'm inadequate, and fearful, and I'm, yep, but I accept you anyway. Don't you love that word anyway? Listen, a fella, I don't know him, but I read something he said named Jared Wilson offers this list of flawed people whom God used anyway. Abraham was old. Elijah was suicidal. Joseph was abused. Job went bankrupt. Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Christ three times. Martha Worried about everything. Zacchaeus was small and money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while praying. Good night. This is a partial list of flawed people whom God used anyway. I qualify. So do you. He can use us anyway. Don't let your inadequacies and falls disqualify you from representing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wants you to do. So, in closing, four points. One. This is what you ought to do. Spend time with Jesus in word and prayer. Very important. That's the key to becoming an expert. We're all witnesses for Christ, but we want to become expert witnesses like in a court of law. We want to really know something about the, the accused. Jesus is accused every day. You know what he's accused of? He's not God. He's just a good teacher. <laughs> he, 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 he's not the Savior. He meant well, but he, whatever he's accused of. No, no, so, 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 so we're the witnesses for the defense. We want to be an expert witness, but you got to get to know the accused. So let me accuse, uh, 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 encourage you, spend lots of time with him in the Bible and in prayer. Number two, ask God to give you eyes to see the opportunities. Someone asked me the other day, Stuart, can you uh, make contact with such and such person who's dying? And this person is laden with guilt, wants to get it right with God needs to talk to somebody. Will you talk to that person? Yes, said I. Give me his contact information. And I called the man. He was very weak, but he was able to speak. I told him who I was and how I got his name. Could I come and visit with you? Said he, oh, I'd be glad to. Give me his address. What would be a good time? He gave me a day and a time. I said, I'll call you before an hour, uh, uh, an hour before I'm coming. Just see how you're doing. So I did. I called him an hour before I was supposed to go over. Someone else answered the phone. Said, I'm sorry, so-and-so is not here. Where is he? If I may ask, well, he's in the hospital. He was taken over to M.D. Anderson. Doesn't look well. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Well, thank you. I hope I didn't disturb you. Have a good day. And I hung up the phone. I thought, oh, man. I missed an opportunity to share with this person on the phone why I wanted to meet with his relative before he passed away. I missed it. And that made me feel bad. Now, don't go too far into feeling bad. Jesus paid it all. You know what I mean? He forgave everything. But I'll tell you why it's good to feel bad when you miss an opportunity. You'll be less likely to miss it the next time. Don't you see? We need this because we're distracted and we're busy and all the kinds of stuff. It doesn't mean we're hard-hearted. We just get distracted by worldly stuff. And so it bothered me. Oh, God, you gave me an opportunity. We got on the phone. I could have said something. 
You know what I could have said to him? Well, I think you do. So I missed an opportunity. Now, don't beat yourself up. Just say, oh, God, I think next time I'll be a little more likely to see the opportunity before it passes me by. Number three, converse with people and be a good listener. Don't go into preaching mode. Nobody wants to listen to your sermons on the street corner. Start asking them conversations. How long you been here? Is your family here? What's it like working in the heat? Do you have children? Are you making enough money? Whatever. Make conversation. Then you win the right. You prove yourself to be a good listener, and then you win the right to speak into their life. And finally, uh, talk to people about Jesus. Because Jesus, you told me this, and I agree with you. Jesus is worth talking about. But I know a way by which you can get things started. I thought I'd put it up on the screen here for you. You want to say this with me? Let's do this. Let me tell you about the greatest thing that ever happened to me. It was when I realized that God was willing to forgive all my sins through the death of his son Jesus on the cross in my place. Would you pray for me that I have a chance at least once before we get together next week uh, to say this to somebody? And uh, I'll pray that for you. Let's do it. Lord Jesus, you're worth talking about. We see the reasons. We're aware of it, why we don't. Every one of them can be overcome. It's just a matter of the will. Oh, God, put it within us to will, to make you an issue, a talking point. Lord Jesus, we love you. How do you not tell people? about the one whom you love. You know, God, in this day and age, they need to hear our voices. That's our role. There's no other hope. I pray, oh God, I don't think I'm being selfish. I pray you'd give me an opportunity, at least one, this week to talk to someone about you. I'd love for that person to accept you. But I'm not in control of that. That's your doing. Whether that person hardens or softens, however, my conviction will deepen and I'll have joy because I have unashamedly identified with you. And I pray the same for my brothers and sisters here. They're like me. They know you. They believe in you. And they want to spread the wealth. We've gotten a little careless. We're a little too silent, a little too gentle, (laughs) maybe a little too cordial, a little too politically correct. I don't know. But in this day and age, oh, God, you're shaking things up, including us. And I pray for my brothers and sisters here that each would take the opportunity you give to talk to someone about you because you, Lord Jesus, are worth talking about. And this we pray in your very name, in Jesus' name, amen.